Around the world, the Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friend. Pastor David Langford here today. We'd like to welcome you to this edition of The Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. Today is Tuesday, December the 15th, 2020. This year is all but gone. We're about to enter into 2021. And I'm taking 2021 in a mode and sense of encouragement. Two and two and one makes five. Five is the number of grace. And we're going to need the grace of God in our lives. Do not get distracted with the cares of this life and the things of this world. It is easy to be trapped, to become snared by the difficulties and by the subtlety of Satan as he seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And is, and is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. But if you stay in the presence of God, and God's presence stays within you, you will overcome. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When God took up residence in your heart, when you made place for God in your life, he then becomes greater than anything the enemy can wield against you. Battles are won and lost because of the failure or the consistency, or I might say persistency, in prayer. Gabriel said to Daniel, from day one, your prayer was heard. Day one. But the prince or the demon of Persia withstood me low in 20 and one days. Gabriel prays. Michael comes. He fights in behalf of Gabriel while he gives him the answered prayer. And so had Daniel quit praying, Satan would have won. That's why we just cannot concede in our prayer lives. We must keep praying no matter what. God can do anything. Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? There's nothing God cannot do. But if we don't pray and stay persistent, like the widow woman, she said, avenge me of mine adversary. An adversary is someone who breaks the law. There's no greater lawbreaker than Satan, Lucifer. He stands before God, falsely accuses you and I, always making false accusation. 
Thus we need the advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Listen to the Crab family today as they sing a beautiful song, Greater is He. And without a doubt, friend, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We're going to need the greatness of God. Jeremiah 10, verse 6, For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, for thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Matthew 19, 26, With men... It is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When you add Christ 
into the equation, everything now becomes possible. That that was impossible, that that was insurmountable, that that was unlikely to happen can now happen because God steps in on the scene. We closed yesterday's program talking about the falling away and about the revelation of the Antichrist. Here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3, 6, and 8. Verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, the coming of the Lord, and our gathering together unto him. That day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Verse 6, And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time, his time will be 40 and two months, 1260 days or time, times, and half a time. And then in verse eight, then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So this is a revelation, an unveiling a disclosure to the church, the body of Christ. Now, you'll have those who will tell you, well, the church is not here. How can unredeemed men receive revelation? Somebody's got to tell them this is that which was prophesied previously. Thus, verse 5 in our Scripture text here, 2 Thessalonians Chapter 2, verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. If I am alive and well at the revelation of the Antichrist, I will be able to specifically, directly point people to this passage and say this is what Paul the Apostle warned us of and about. And this, as I said, is a trigger. There, there are certain and specific things that happen at the revelation of the Antichrist. We'll get into that a little bit further when we get to verse 7. But here's what's going to happen. Matthew 24, 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. This is something that must be understood. It's not just a glimpse of a photo, a picture, it is something that must be understood. Once the revelation of the Antichrist is manifest, two more things happen simultaneously. Michael will ascend into the heavenlies. Revelation 12, verse 7. For there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Michael is the restrainer. He's the one that's holding back the Antichrist, not the church, not the Holy Spirit, but it's Michael. And then Michael will ascend into the heavenlies. That's Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. He ascends up or he mounts up, the Hebrew says, like mounting up on a horse, and he ascends upward to start war in heaven. Victory is first accomplished around the throne of God. 
Satan will be kicked out of heaven. You find all of this in Revelation chapter 12. It is there. We've taught this chapter, by the way, and we have it on DVD. Revelation chapter 12, and we exegete every verse to show the sequence of events, the prophetic sequence. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And verse 10, Satan is now cast down. In other words, God negates his ability to be around the throne of God. So now Satan is cast out of heaven where he can no longer falsely accuse the church, the body of Christ. If the church is already in heaven, what's the purpose of Satan accusing us when we're already there? It's like me sitting in a room with somebody and the devil comes in the room and lies and says, David Lankford is not sitting in this room with you. He's somewhere else. He's falsely accusing me. He's lying. If I'm sitting in the room with you, what would be the purpose of lying to the person and saying, he's really not here? That proves to me the church is not in heaven because he's always still accusing us. Did you get that? He stands before the throne of God falsely accusing us. He is the accuser of the brethren. If I'm in heaven, what's the purpose of accusing me? Somebody tells you, Pastor Lankford is not in the room, but you're sitting there with me. That's like, are you kidding me? Here he sits. So this is what I learned some few years ago. This is why Satan's anger goes off the charts. Now God kicks him out of heaven, and God confines Satan to the earth. He cannot go anywhere but in the earth. He cannot go back to the throne of God. He's harnessed. He is corralled. He is, you might say, chained to planet earth. And this is the reason for his great anger. Then you read Revelation 12, verse 12, and now it makes all the sense in the world. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Once Satan is cast out of heaven, and he's confined to the four corners of the earth, and he can go nowhere, he cannot do anything, he's filled with great rage great anger, and great wrath, which is nothing more than great tribulation. That's all it is. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth. Now, See, he now knows how short his time is because he knows Christ will soon return. And when Christ returns, he will destroy the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Revelation 20 and verse 1, an angel comes out of heaven with a great chain. He chains Satan, Diablos, Lucifer, chains him, puts him in the bottomless pit, and he's sealed there 
and held captive there for 1,000 years. This is all in the Holy Writ. This is all in the confines of the Scriptures, the Word of God. Now, we left off yesterday declaring this revelation is for the church, the body of Christ. Can you imagine uh, uh, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon? Can, can you imagine these guys understanding Matthew 24, 15? They, they have no clue. No clue whatsoever. Lester Holt, no clue. David Muir, no clue. Why? They don't know the Bible. Only those who know the Word of God can know this truth when it's revealed and unveiled, taking the sheet, the cover off, that we might see. Now, there were some men out there, I hate to be so adamant and declare their false prophets and their false teachers, but John MacArthur, Jimmy D. Young believe and teach you can take the mark of the beast and still repent and be saved. Now, I would stand and fight with John MacArthur tomorrow in California for his right to have church services. But scripturally, he's terribly wrong that you can take the mark of the beast and still get saved. Why? Because that is contrary to what God's Word says. Now, I would think with the megachurch he has and the hits he gets on YouTube videos, that's what always amazes me, how all the false doctrine, all the false teachings get the enormous followers and hits. But a little peep-squeak ministry like this who tries to preach pure Bible get few hits. Revelation 14, verses 9 and 10, If any man worship the beast, which is the Antichrist, and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. So if you take the mark of the beast, you will drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Now, when you read Revelation 14, that chapter describes two harvests, the harvest of the wicked, harvest of the righteous. Now, the book of Revelation is not in chronological order. It's close, but it's not completely in chronological order. There are numerous scriptures that talk about the coming of the Lord, and that's about either four or five times in the book of Revelation. Well, Christ doesn't come four or five times. He only comes one time. But there are other passages that allude to the second advent of Christ. But my point is, I don't want to get off on that subject, but my point is, if any man worship the beast or worship the image, receive his mark in their forehead or in their hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. So once you take the mark of the beast, you are doomed. 
You are irredeemable. You cannot be redeemed after you've done that. But I heard both men on a radio program say, yes, you can. So somebody's lying to us. Is it John MacArthur and Jimmy DeYoung, or is it God's Word? I'll put my stake on God's Word. Now, I'm not going to get in to all of the shenanigans out there about this vaccine. Does anyone see here in Revelation 14 or in Revelation 13, in Revelation 13, verses 16, 17, 18, is when the mark of the beast is first mentioned. Is there any illusion that the mark of the beast is a vaccine? Is there any? It is a mark. It is a name. It is a number. On your forehead or on the back of your hand. How many people has ever taken a vaccine in their forehead or on the back of their hand? Has anybody ever had a doctor to shoot you with a needle in your forehead or the back of your right hand and said, this is where we're going to inject the vaccine? I have my smallpox scar on my left arm where they scratched it as a little boy and it made a big old ugly scab for smallpox. Most of you watching me today, you have that vaccine. So if the purported vaccine of COVID or whatever is the mark of the beast, I'm going to ask you one question. It's two parts, but it's one question. If the vaccine is the mark of the beast, then tell me what the name and the number of the beast is. I humbly ask you to tell me what the name and the mark is. You can't do it. Because you don't know. And we're not there yet. Listen. I had a friend who took the pneumonia vaccine. His name is Dennis, 55 years of age. Those, that vaccine, particular vaccine, my doctor friend said was full of metals and it affected his autoimmune system. Instead of inoculating him from it, he got pneumonia. And I had to preach for him and fill in for him. He said his breathing never came back normally like it should have for at least a year. Was that vaccine the mark of the beast? When little children go to the pediatrician and start taking their vaccines, is that the mark of the beast? I'm telling you, so many people out here are misrepresenting the truth. When you take the mark of the beast or anyone, and that's rhetorical when I say you, you're going to know exactly what you did. You're not going to be in a coma or be sick and filled with an infirmity and be in a hospital bed and you get an inoculation and you took the mark of the beast unknowingly. I do not believe that's going to be like that. I don't believe that's the kind of God that we serve. You're going to know what you did. 
And it won't be something that you don't know what you've done. You're going to know you sold your soul. Is the vaccine a chip? Again, if the vaccine is the chip, please tell me the name and the number. The people who are teaching and preaching this, ask them if the vaccine is the mark of the beast, then ask them, please tell me what is the name and what is the number. Revelation 13, 17, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count, the word count there in the Greek is compute. I was probably one of the first guys 20, 25 years ago to, to search that scripture passage out. I wrote the book, Revelation 13 Revealed. They keep talking about the Antichrist, the mark of the beast. It's not the Antichrist that reveals the mark of the beast. It is the, anti, it is the false prophet, not the Antichrist. They, they, don't even, they don't even know the sequence of the scriptures. They always act like it's going to be the Antichrist that opens up the mark of the beast. It's the false prophet. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Quit listening to these jacklegs. Read the Bible. What does the Bible say? It is the second beast. I saw another beast come up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, but he spake as a dragon. It is the false prophet that coerces the people to make an image like unto the beast. In other words, they're going to make an idol. They're going to make a statue. That's what you're going to see in Matthew 24. That is the abomination of desolation, putting this idol. The Jews will freak out. Orthodox Jews will freak out when they put this statue in the Holy of Holies and, and the Antichrist says, I'm God. They're going to realize then they've made a grave, grave, grave mistake. Now, see, once you take the mark of the beast, you're doomed. You're eternally damned. There is no possibility for redemption or reconciliation. You sealed your doom. You're going to be like Judas's chariot. You knew what you did when you sold out. You're not going to do this blindly, unknowingly, but you're going to know specifically this is what you did. Now, I hear this all the time. You hear this all the time. The great tribulation includes the wrath of God. That is asinine. That's why the wrath of God in Revelation chapter 15, verse 1, Revelation 16, verse 1, that's why the wrath of God is in the seven vials or the seven bowls. They're distinctly separate from the great tribulation. They have nothing to do with the great tribulation. This is the vengeance and the wrath of God. And the believer is not appointed unto God's wrath. But I hear people say, the great tribulation and the wrath of God, or they just say it, that the great tribulation includes God's wrath, but it doesn't. 
The great tribulation is the wrath of Satan. I just shared it, Revelation 12 and 12. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. This is why he's so full of anger and so full of rage, and he goes after Israel as a nation, and he goes after those who keep the commandments and testimony of Jesus Christ. That is the church, the body of Christ. Jews right now are not keeping the commandments of Christ. They don't believe he's the Messiah. Jesus told the Jews in John 5, 43, I come in my Father's name, ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you shall receive. You see, the Bible explains all of this and foretells us how, when, and the way these things are going to happen. Why don't we believe God's word over men? I'm fallible. Every person you listen to is fallible. But the word of God is infallible. And not only that, the word of God is immutable. It doesn't change. And everybody's running around, freaking out, because some jackleg says, this vaccine is the mark of the beast. First of all, I'm not going to take the vaccine. And if I did take it, I'm not sealing my doom. I'm not damning my soul. It's just a vaccine. It's not the chip. Who, where does the Bible even say it is a chip? Can you show me in the Bible where the Bible says the mark of the beast is a chip? No, you, you can't show me that. I can't show you either. I know it's a mark, it's a name, it's a number. But I, I don't yet know what it is. But when it is revealed, as Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3, 6, and 8, when, I, when it's revealed, then we're going to know. The, when the Antichrist is revealed, you're going to know because the false prophet says, we've got to make an image, a statue like unto the beast. That's, see, that's the protocol. And I'll say it again. Every generation tries to make God's word fit their time frame, their time scheme. But you're not going to do that. It's going to unfold according to God's plan and according to God's will. That's how it happens and that's how it takes place. We're not appointed unto God's wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, For God hath not appointed us unto wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So we, the church, the body, has not been appointed to God's wrath, but you can rest assuredly you're going to suffer the wrath of Satan. He hates you. He despises you. He loathes you. He, he has utter contempt for you. But you're not appointed unto the wrath. And again, the wrath of God is not the great tribulation. That's why it's in the seven vials or seven bowls. This is going to happen in a day. Take, take the biggest bowl you can find, fill it full of water, and just turn it over. It all runs out and it's over with. 
Take a 16-ounce bottle full of water and turn it upside down. It'll take a few seconds for that water to run out of that bottle because it's not a bowl. The mouth on the bowl is so large, there's no restriction. It just pours out. God's going to pour out his wrath through the vials or through the bowls. You see, the scriptures tell us. The scriptures tell us. Revelation 15, 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Revelation 16, 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials or pour out the bowls of the wrath of God upon the earth. We're not appointed unto God's wrath. See, the blood of Jesus keeps us from that day of the wrath of God. Romans 5, verse 9, much more then being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. From wrath. What saves us from the wrath of God? The blood of Jesus Christ. Again, medically, how many vaccines are given in the hand or in the forehead? How many? None. I've, I've, never, I've never seen a vaccine shot into somebody's head or in the back of their right hand. So what I want you to understand is how Easily, people twist the scriptures. Revelation 13, 16, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Right hand or forehead. This is where you receive the mark. Name or the number. Some people say it's, it's an invisible barcode. It is a tattoo. It's, it's a, you can't see it, but it's there. This is a, about buying and selling. This is not about medical, medicine, inducement. It's about buying and selling that no man might buy or sell save he had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. That has nothing to do with vaccines. Yet you're hearing that all the time. That's hyperbole. That's people trying to make a dollar off of your back. That's people who are, and let me tell you what's so sad about all of this. They preach this garbage, they shovel this garbage by the truckloads, but ask them, are you going to be here? Oh, no, I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be here. What a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. You're teaching, you're espousing something, number one, that's not true. Number two, it's not applicable to you because you're going to be zapped out of here. Listen, if a man will tell one lie, you think he'll tell two? If you think a man will misrepresent the truth about one thing, you think you'll misrepresent the truth about another? 
The Antichrist is called the son of perdition. I've heard it said, I totally disagree. The Antichrist substitutes Christ. If you're anti-Semitic, you're not substituting Semitism. You're against anti-government, anti-Christ, anti-Semitic, meaning you are against. Look it up. Anti means to be against. The Antichrist is called the son of perdition. Now, the word perdition in the Greek is number 684. Apolia, Apolia, however you want to pronounce it, A-P-O-L-I-A, Apolia. And it means the son of destruction with total ruin and loss both physically and spiritually brought about by his pernicious or damnable ways. The word pernicious means damnable. Peter spoke of false prophets who would be pernicious, meaning false doctrine, meaning false doctrine. 2 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. There are so many teachers out here today, and what do they teach? Fallacy, falsehood, mendacities. Let me give you a simple word, lies. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately, that word privately in the Greek means stealthily, you've heard of the stealth bomber, who stealthily shall bring in damnable heresies. What they usher in, what they bring into the end time church are damnable lies, even denying the Lord that brought them. Now you say, well, they're not up there denying Jesus. No, but they deny him by what they teach, by what they preach and how they live. That's how they're denying the Lord. Remember Matthew 24, 5, many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Satan is, is always operating under disguise of darkness, deception, and duplicity. He comes in stealthily and he brings in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And, of course, the swift destruction will come in the wrath of God. Verse 2, and many shall follow their pernicious, pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. I tell you the truth, the falling away is apostasy, a divorcement from Christ, they come along and they say, no, the falling away is the rapture of the church. So what are they doing? By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and through covetousness. Have you noticed lately how everybody in ministry wants your money, 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 begging, begging, pleading, begging for money. Through covetousness shall they 
with feigned words. That word feigned in the Greek is plastos. The number is 4112. 4112. Feigned. Plastos. We get the English word plastic. When I was a young teenager, we would say that person is plastic, meaning they're fake, they're not real. Now, I don't know the new terminology today. Being 66 years old this coming February, I don't know the modern lingo. But through covetousness shall they with plastic words make merchandise of you. You ever noticed how it's always selling, selling, selling? What does the Bible say? No man can buy or sell, save he had the mark, the name, the number of the beast. Now, we have stuff we sell to. We, we have the teaching of Revelation 12, the whole chapter exegeted, Revelation 20 exegeted. We have, a, we have a lot of teaching material, but I am not up here merchandising 24-7. I have it there to help you, to teach you to help you to understand thoroughly the scriptures. But, I mean, these guys uh, have a new book every month, a new DVD every month, a new CD every month, selling, 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 selling. I'm, I'm very leery and weary of that. If, if, if they really believe the Bible, they would trust God like the voice of evangelism does. But see, this is what the Bible says it will be like in the end. Go back 40 years, go back 25 years ago, 25 years ago. How much selling, merchandising did you see? Very little. David Wilkerson's book, Set, thy trumpet to, set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth, The Vision, Leonard Ravenhill, America's Too Young to Die. There were just a few goodly, godly books. But they weren't up there selling something new every month, every week, every day, every program. Their emphasis was winning souls, or their emphasis was to enlighten the church, the body of Christ, that they could see and understand and know things better. But we've come to a point, as Peter well said, they're going to make merchandise of you. That's wrong. They're going to merchandise you. And so they're pernicious or damnable ways. It's just the way they do business, you know? Every letter is a letter of appeal for money. The Antichrist destroys everything he encounters. Now, Judas Iscariot, as the son of perdition, was very critical in John chapter 12 when Mary broke the alabaster box and anointed Jesus' feet. He said, what in the world are you doing? We could have sold this for 300 pence and given it to the poor. And the Bible says there in, in, in John 12, he did not care about the people. Secondly, he bare the bag, or he stole out of the bag the treasury of Jesus Christ. What a thief. People lie and cheat all the time today. 
And Jesus and Judas's carrot was called the son of perdition. Why? Because as the son of perdition, he also destroyed everything he encountered or touched. He corrupted it. See, after uh, uh, John 13 and 27, after Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, he became the personification of destruction or the son of perdition. John 13, 27, and after the sop, Satan entered into him, then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. In other words, at that point, Judas Iscariot quit fighting. He quit resisting the devil. He wholeheartedly gave in and went and sold Jesus. He went to the chief priest and the elders and said, I'll sell him to you for 30 pieces of silver. You'll know him. He's in the garden praying, and I'll walk up to him, and I'll kiss him on the cheek. I'll kiss him on the cheek. He betrayed Christ. Those who take the mark of the beast have not only betrayed Christ, they have betrayed their own soul. And they've traded their soul for eternal death, destruction, and damnation. The Antichrist, we read about him in Daniel 9, 27. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. I want to emphasize, he does not make a covenant. I know you've heard that. John Hagee, I've heard you, I've heard all of them say he makes a covenant. That's not what the Bible says. He confirms the covenant or he strengthens the covenant with many for one week. Now, there are those out there who are going to tell you that he there is Jesus. Do we ever see Christ making covenant that is limited? The Davidic? Mosaic, Abrahamic, all of God's covenants are eternal. God does not break covenant. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. See, that tells us Israel is going to go back to animal sacrifices. Now, I know there are preterists out there who don't believe any of that. Leave them alone. I could call some names today, but I won't. But leave those jack legs alone. This is going to happen. Revelation chapter 11, verses 1, 2, and 3 tells us there's going to be a temple. 2 Thessalonians 2, 4 says he's going to sit in that temple, the Antichrist. Matthew 24 says he's going to sit in that temple. And there's going to be an idol standing where it shouldn't be standing, where it ought not to stand, where it shouldn't be. And once they go back to making the sacrifice, and I believe it'll be on Passover, he stands up and he stops the sacrifice and he says, I am God. Now, Daniel 9, 27, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst or middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice, the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. What he does brings about desolation and destruction. 
even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Satan through the Antichrist brings utter destruction and desolation and chaos. Judas is carried to is called the son of perdition in John chapter 17 in the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. John 17, verse 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. Judas left the temple when he returns the 30 pieces of silver, and then he goes and he hangs himself. Matthew 27, 4, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. In other words, we don't want your money back. That's guilt. That's blood money. He cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. He committed suicide. Lightfoot, one of the great theologians, says his bowels gushed out into the earth after he hanged himself. It must have been a horrible hanging. I, I, I assume whether he jumped off a small cliff with a rope tied to a tree limb, but Lightfoot says the hanging was so violent that his bowels, his bowels gushed out. That is, that is, that's, that's ugly. That's heinous, if I must say so. But he was under such guilt, such condemnation, because he did something that was so heinous and so evil, he took it upon himself and he went out and he hanged himself. Now, I believe like Peter the apostle, Peter went out and wept bitterly and repented. I believe Judas could have repented himself, but he chose not because the guilt was so overwhelming. So he hanged himself. Terrible thing. Judas is called the son of perdition, son of destruction. The Antichrist is called the son of destruction, the son of perdition. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now my time is almost gone. This is the 20th program in this series, and we're not even halfway through the scriptures. I, when I teach Bible, I, I just don't skim over it. I try to help you to grow in the greatest and most mature way that I can help you. I want you to know why you believe what you believe.
anybody that knows me, I, I don't, I'm not easily persuaded by anything. I, it, it's it's got to be factual. It's got to be accurate. It's got to be right. And 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 because I have the scriptures in my heart, I told someone the other day: the greater the word of God that you have in you, the greater the demand upon you to live a godly and righteous life. A little bit of word in you, you'll 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 backslide easily. You'll say things. You'll do things. But you just fill your uttermost being with the Word of God. Now you have conviction. Now you have stamina. Now you have power to resist the devil. And you don't waffle. And you don't waft. And you don't change. And you're not up today and, and down tomorrow and in today and out tomorrow. You're not vacillating. You're not oscillating. You're, you're staying rooted and grounded in Christ. If all of our Bibles were taken tomorrow, some people would be in bad shape. Well, I, I don't know the Bible like you do. I'll say it again. I'm no different than you. I put my pants on just like any man puts his pants on today. I shaved this morning like any man shaves. How hungry are you for God? How hungry are you to know the truth? How hungry are you to spend time in the Bible? Get off of Fox television. They, they, they have fulfilled their name, Fox. Jesus talking about Herod. He said, you go tell that Fox. I do cures today. I do cures tomorrow. And the third day I'll be raised again. Fox is a Fox. Quit listening. Quit reading. Get in your Bible. Know that you know that you know what you know is accurate and truthful. I'm not, I'm not trying to... Uh, deceptively sow something in here to trick you. My God, in the last quarter of a century, 1994, almost 26 years ago, after the 40-day fast, the, the revelation, the illumination, the understanding exploded in my personal life. I'm nobody special. I'm just like you. Been married last week for... 39 years, four children, two grandchildren, another one on the way. We are living in an hour when the devil's purpose is to deceive the nations. And he, and he uses people to deceive us. He uses people to deceive us. He uses people to twist the scriptures. David Koresh did not believe he was a false prophet. Jim Jones did not believe he was a false prophet. Who was the kook out there in Arizona or, uh, or California? Uh, something about a gate, and all those people took their lives. Uh, these people, they were not kooks. They thought they were genuine, bona fide, and they thought they were real. But when you take this book, and you look into this book and you mirror your life according to the word of God, you will see who you are. And you'll never see who you are till you get in the word of God. That's what allows you to see who you are when you behold yourself in the image of the word of God. 
James 1, 23, 24, For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You look in the mirror, how do I look? Hair look good, beard trim look good. You walk away, he said, you forget what manner of man you are. But if you're always using the Bible as your mirror, you read it and you look into it, you always are reminded who you are, what you are, where are you failing God, where are you coming short with God, where are you missing the mark with God, where? When I read this Bible, huh, like Scooby-Doo, rut-row, rut-row, I missed that mark, I missed this mark, I need to repent, I need to get right with God, I need to go make restitution, I need to make restoration here, I did something I should not have done, I knew it was wrong, I did it anyway, but the Holy Ghost has convicted me, now I'm going to go and make it right. There were things in my life I could never fix. But when I can fix it, I go and I fix it. Why? It's the right thing to do, and that is what we know as righteousness. Righteousness. The root word is R-I-G-H-T. Just do the right thing, and God will honor you because that is righteousness. God bless you. Have a great week. I'll see you Monday in the Lord. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Hide his word in your heart that you might endure until the end. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.